is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset College, underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Pump the brakes! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour, a pod exclusive. Since we are not on the air due to the 11 a.m. kickoff, excited to join you with uh, our thoughts pre-Nebraska, Colorado. Uh, They're kicking it off out in Boulder uh, in just a little bit, so this is uh, just a little bit of taste of of what a full show would be like for you. I'm Cole Stukenholz. We've got Matt McMaster along hey. for the ride as well. That's it. That's all you got. Hey. That's all I got. Yeah. I mean, I would say and and correct me if I'm wrong, is this not the biggest game in Nebraska football in in this era of non bowl games? No. You, what would you say is bigger in terms so of they pre- hosted they hosted game day against Ohio State in 2019? Yeah, but I feel like that's bigger than that. Yeah, no, I they they I had feel like this is bigger than that. They had Oregon here in 2016. That may have been bigger. They were actually looking at a good season that year too, and they won that game. They did win that but game. It, that's the last you, time they won you, a ranked game. But you look at that game as Oregon. I feel like is a little bit bigger because they won. I'm talking about well, I'm the. I mean, the pregame hype leading up to it and all that. I yeah, think the pregame hype is way with Dion, with the rivalry, with now Colorado's ranked, with still the shadow of belief of hey, we can win this game, or Nebraska. I got to stop saying we. Nebraska can win this game. I I think that when you look at all of the factors leading up to the game, that this is bigger than Ohio State coming into game day. I'm not saying it's a lot better. Oregon I totally disagree with, but at the time Nebraska was ranked during game day, correct? Because no. that no they I thought they were. They weren't they didn't that they had actually blown a game to Colorado to start the year in okay. 2019. Okay. Not to start start not the first game, but the second or third game. Okay. So, so they, they were not they ranked, were ranked they were to not start the year though, right? In 2019, they were ranked at some yeah, point in Yeah, they were. And then so you bring in Ohio No. I think I think this game without a doubt is the biggest game of this, just the hype of it, just going into it. Since, maybe not, maybe not of it. Let's talk of importance, like in terms of importance, in terms of how important is this game? Probably not, probably not. But in terms, Wisconsin, twenty sixteen, yeah. But pro, in terms of hype, in terms of excitement, in terms of nervousness from the fan base, in terms of oh my god, if we lose this game, how annoying that would be. Like, that kind of thought in fans' heads. There is no... You, I, 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 you, know, you know, I will always concede that you know more about Nebraska than I do. But I will stand in the soapbox and say that this is by far the biggest game that they've played in this losing era. I love your recency bias. I, I will say that... There, but, like, there's no comparison. No, there, there are. Is, there, there are isn't. comparisons. There yes, isn't. There Dion is way too big of a star, and people still think that we can beat Colorado, that Nebraska can beat Colorado, and you, they're ranked, and it's on their turf. You, and there's a lot of people from Nebraska going to that game. There's watched, no doubt. You've watched way too much Fox. There's no doubt. To see there's all the no doubt. There's Dion. no doubt. There's no doubt. There's we, doubt. Continue. We, can, we can go into game analysis, but in my opinion... 
I'll, and we can agree to disagree. I'll fire my retort, and then we'll get into a little bit of the game sure. analysis. Look, it's it's a big game from the standpoint of it's Colorado, and some people for that. I mean, it's just that's enough. Uh, there's the Deion Sanders thing, and and there are just people who are just fed up with the guy already, and he's coached one game at the FBS level. There's the fact that Nebraska is Nebraska fans in general. I think are dreading an zero and two start for the second straight head coach's first season. Uh, Frost obviously started 0-6. That would be a little bit more uh, catastrophic than that the current happen. situation. That well, that's what a lot of folks said in 2018. I'm just saying. I don't think it'll happen either, but there have been a lot of things that have happened around Nebraska football lately that, it, that just it, it defies belief. At any rate, is this a big game from all those reasons? for all those reasons? Yes. I think the hype around it, if you want to use that word, it's a different kind of hype because there's no stakes. In 2016, when they were facing Wisconsin, they were a top 10 team. And there were stakes. Like You could see Nebraska winning the Big Ten West. They would go on to lose that game in overtime and then lose 62-3 to the next week to Ohio State. But at any rate, that team was a top 10 team at the time, and there were stakes involved. There was... There was actually something that you could feel like you could play for. Even the 2018 Ohio State game, as Nebraska was finally starting to trend up, and they finished that game, or they finished that season 4-2, and two, almost beat Ohio State, almost beat Iowa, and then were ranked to start 2019. Even that game felt like there, were, there was more stakes, there was more on the line in terms of what you could do and what you could get out of that first season. Is it important? Yes. Is there a lot of hype? Yes, and are a lot of Husker fans going to be out there? Yes, but there have been more important games in the last five, seven, no, eight years. You're telling me that there's no stakes in going on the road against a bitter rival and playing them while they're ranked after losing a really tough, close game against a good conference opponent. You're telling me there's no stakes in potentially winning that game and, like, you know, bragging rights and like everyone's starting to believe it again and having momentum going into your first home game of the season. There's no stakes in winning that game. There's major stakes because if you start the season 0 and 2, you're going to go into Northern Illinois 0 and 2. And let's say you beat Northern Illinois, you beat La Tech, you're still going to be saying, well, here, here comes Michigan and they're just going to run us over. If you beat Colorado on the road in an emotional game, it will not only reinvigorate the franchise, but reinvigorate a roster that thought with a new coach these tough losses would just finally be under the rug and it would go away. And it didn't. And it's you you know, you can tell me that this team has faced a lot of adversity and Rule can say, well, they bounce back great. Look, they lost another really close game. That is detrimental in the locker room. If you go into Colorado and you win that game, it flips the season. It flips the season completely. In my opinion, it flips the season completely in week two. So to say that there's no stakes or there's not as much stakes, no. There isn't, especially with all the media and all the all the attention around it and all of the – I mean, Nebraska fans hate to be wrong, and they hate it when their team and their, their, their program is dogged on because – they know, and you and I know, the impact that Nebraska has on college football that, frankly, not a lot of people get to see. Nebraska goes to Boulder, gets their butts whooped from Colorado. I mean, that would ruin the season for a lot of people. It would. And to some, the season's already ruined. To some. I, I will just say this and leave it there. There have been a lot of games 
this level of hype over the last not this level not yes. this level not this level for and how long not, how long have you lived in lincoln i don't it doesn't matter it doesn't it, it does, does matter not, it does not matter how it long does, have you lived in lincoln but, it, but i'm telling you right now based <laughs> off based off of the national attention the national attention that this is getting Do you remember scott the national pelt, attention scott that, van pelt is talking about it you got every single talk show you got well, Keyshawn johnson Dion. talking about how they're sorry you have Deion sanders is the biggest story in all of sports right now yes and and they are playing the biggest story in all of sports in yes. his first home game of the year okay of, of his career and they're gonna play him and it's a game that a lot of people believe that they can win and you're gonna have 40 percent of the crowd in red you're telling me i don't need to live in lincoln for x amount of years it doesn't matter how long i live in lincoln to tell you that this game is massive and we're talking about an era where they haven't been to a bowl game in six years so how big are the games how big are the games that you're referring to really are when they ended up finishing the season four and eight and three and nine and five and seven. Right now they are they are zero and one and they have the chance to completely reinvigorate their season by winning a game by beating what is currently right now the biggest score in all sports. There's how it doesn't it doesn't get a lot in terms of regular season matchups unless you're playing for playoff and title contentions, which they weren't in the last six years, which they haven't been doing. They were it, in sixteen. It's not. It's not been. They're Dion, playing for. Dion is a six big in six. Dion is a big. Dion is a big story, but he's not. He's not the program that Ohio State is that Nebraska was playing against when they were hosting them here. The fact it, that it's it not in Lincoln, I think, diminishes it, a little bit of the hype it as well. It doesn't. Not here. I don't think it. I don't think. I disagree because I think it being. In Boulder, and it being the first home game is a pretty big deal. That's it's a, a big, pretty big deal nationally. It's it's Dion. When the story is about Nebraska, it's a bigger deal. The story in 2019 was about Nebraska, and like, hey, look at how they finished in 2018. Scott Frost is finally getting it but going. But they lost the week before they played Ohio Not State. Not the week before. It lo- they lost one of the games before. Okay, week two or week three. Okay. And and they lost they they got their they got their butts whooped and what everyone knew and is everyone, it not a possibility then, that they could get their butt knew, let's talk about every, the game it's everyone, a possibility that every, they could get their butts kicked but everyone, in this game but everyone knew that no. they were going to get no. their butts whooped then were I you here from, in 2019 but I was watching college football were you in Lincoln in 2019 okay, sure fair enough I wasn't in Lincoln people in 2019. here were legitimately thinking it's that not, Nebraska could not, challenge Ohio State this game is bigger than that game because. I, if anyone thought that they could beat that 2019 Ohio State team after not being undefeated going into that game more than they think that they can beat this Colorado team, I completely disagree with that. I have a meme for you that I'll show. After, I'll show everybody after the show. It gets on uh, on the air. No. All right, let's start breaking down the game. Let's start from the Nebraska perspective. I've, I've got some thoughts about Colorado. I, I don't know if you watched the Colorado TCU game, most of it in full. I watched all of it. All right, so in, in terms of Nebraska – I'm going to start with the positives, because I don't think they've been talked about enough, and I think this is where Nebraska does have an edge on on what TCU showed Colorado and potentially an edge on Colorado in the game. Number one is tackling. Defensively, Nebraska played very well, and a big reason why was tackling. TCU did not tackle as well as I believe Nebraska will in this game based on what I saw against Minnesota. I don't know if TCU just didn't have as physical of a, of a fall camp leading up to the season, uh, just preserving guys because they knew they had starters who were experienced enough in the defense, and, and that's just the way they did it. I'm not sure. But I know from what we've heard and seen from 
Matt Rule and from the players and from the YouTube series that they did that Nebraska tackled a lot in fall camp. And it showed against Minnesota because they were able to be physical at the point of attack. They were not allowing much in terms of yards after contact to running backs or receivers. So the tackling is going to be important. If they get Dylan Edwards in their grasp, I think they're more likely than not to bring him to the ground based on what I saw against Minnesota. And and same in, in if you look at the Colorado angle of it, Colorado's offense against Nebraska's defense compared to the TCU matchup, TCU's defense is structured in such a way to where they're trying to get takeaways and they're trying to just kind of slow down an offense and and they're used to playing in shootouts. Nebraska's not used to playing in shootouts in the Big Ten, and that's their style defensively as well. So from a tackling standpoint, that's a feather in Nebraska's cap, and that could help them in this matchup with Colorado. As, as explosive as that offense is, if they get a hold of guys, they, they will bring them to the ground more consistently than TCU did. And this was a surprise, too, for me, that the special teams were as really, really good as they were. Uh, maybe some questionable decisions in terms of when to bring the ball out of the end zone on a kickoff or when to field a punt off the bounce. I'm really, not sure it, what they're coached to do, but the, the kickoff return to start the third quarter with Ramir Johnson set up okay. Nebraska's offense for that one touchdown that they got in the game. Brian Buschini had a really good average. Tristan Alvano was perfect in his opportunities. The special teams was an advantage for Nebraska. They pinned Minnesota a couple of times. Uh, inside the 20 in the punt game, inside the 25 in kickoff returns. So special teams is an area where Nebraska could exploit Colorado as well. And, and lastly, on the defensive line, I said this on Saturday's show last week, it was the biggest surprise for me positively of Nebraska. I was super Super worried about the way that Nebraska's defensive line would be able to play, knowing that they didn't have a lot of experience, they didn't have a lot of experienced depth in particular. And even with Ty Robinson out in the second half after the targeting penalty, they played really, really well, especially considering two of those guys that played really well are true freshmen in Lenhard and Peewill. So tackling, special teams, and the defensive line, and maybe even the offensive line, I don't know enough about how Colorado's defensive line is structured or, or where they came from or, or how young or old they are, but this is the type of game where a Big Ten offensive line experienced in those types of games can lean on a non-Big 12 defensive line and, and maybe rely more on the run game and be more confident in calling more run plays in the fourth quarter, as Matt Rule has said he wants to do. Those advantages for Nebraska are the things that give me the most hope that Nebraska can go out there and get a win in Boulder. Um, I don't think my Three Keys uh, article has been uh, released yet, uh, but one of them was special teams. So good yep. on you. Yep. Uh, I think Colorado, uh, with a stat that I was able to pull off, Colorado gave up 150 kickoff return yards on five kickoffs, which is 30 yards a kickoff, which is That's ridiculous. good field position. Nebraska's average field position was 30, yeah. and Minnesota's was the 25. It was, I mean, to give off, to give up 30 yards a kickoff is, is quite ridiculous. Um, agree with you on special teams. I agree with you that the Nebraska defense just looked better than the TCU defense. And just, uh, I know that TCU runs a, a 3-3-5, but Nebraska ran a 3-3-5 in the manner where they just always had five DBs. 
and you always had it was always a cover three look. They didn't run cover three every single time. That's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. But every time pre snap, it always looked like cover three or a variation of cover two or whatever. And when you have skill positions like that or skill position players like Colorado does, having as many guys behind your linebackers as possible to communicate um, and to cover those guys is important. So and I do think in agreement with you that they do have the defensive line where they can consistently rush three and four and keep a couple more guys back and still have an effective uh, run stop. Uh, I think the Colorado offensive line is a little underrated. I think they did a really good job protecting Shador Sanders, and I think Shador Sanders is really good at pocket mobility uh, and pocket presence. Uh, They didn't do a good job with run. They, They couldn't run the ball. I think they ran for yeah. 55 yards in total. Uh, at the end of the day, though, what TCU did, and I think this hasn't really been talked about enough, what TCU did, which lost them the game, is they had three different possessions where they were within the Colorado 25-yard line, and they came away with zero points. They missed a field goal. They threw two interceptions. So it's easy for me to say, well, don't turn the ball over in the red zone if you're Nebraska problem is is that Nebraska two of their four last week were one was inside the 10 and one was inside the 25 one I think that the first interception was on like the 14 and then the second interception of the third quarter was like inside the 10 and then they missed a 42 yard field goal uh no I was talking about Nebraska's oh you're talking about yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yep so well I mean they came away with zero points at the end of the second quarter when they had the ball on the half inch yard line. Right, you know? right. So Nebraska's, just like, Nebraska like, hey, struggled in that same area, which is not exactly, portend good exactly, things. Exactly. So it's like, oh, don't turn the ball over in the red zone. Well, it's I mean, it's kind of what they've done, right? The like, thing the thing that so, the thing that could get you a little bit more optimistic about it is if you can establish more of a run game, more of a consistent run game that you can rely on, then Marcus Satterfield can then switch to more of a consistent run game in the red zone and not feel like he has to have Jeff Sims drop back. We're going to go to a quick break here, but and, and we'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about the offense because we talked about defense. We talked about special teams. We talked about tackling. Yep. I want to get your opinion here, and I think this is the big conversation uh, when it comes just the general conversation yep. when it comes to Colorado versus Nebraska on what do you do on offense? What are your keys on offense? Especially now, you got Isaiah Garcia Cascaneda out for the season with a torn ACL, hoping that he gets better. Terrible, yeah, terrible injury for such a hardworking, and, and I've, I've met him before. Such a nice guy, such a good guy. Uh, you hate to see that happen. But we saw Jalen Lloyd. We saw Malachi. Didn't get... A, a, a pass or anything, but he was on the field. He ran a couple routes. Mm-hmm. I think there was actually one route where he ran a little post post across the middle that they were looking for him to throw it to. Those two two guys are going to have to have a big uh, more yes. of an impact. So we'll get to talking about that after this. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, back here with the, the secret pod, the the non errorable pod. Thanks, thanks to our uh, thanks to our eleven a.m. kickoff. You're on and, Husker and Hour. Thanks to our program director and sports director Caleb Henry for actually allowing us to uh, to yeah. do this as well. Here's a little bit more content out there. Absolutely, it's all about content. Thanks to Kenny Larrabee for getting us on the video with the Facebook Live at KLI and Huskers. That's where we're on Twitter X as well. And uh, obviously, if you found our podcast, you are listening to it. Make sure you subscribe to that f- the the feed and, and get the podcast. 
in your pod list every single week, the Husker Hour. Uh, so, yeah, matchups to watch in, um, in terms of this Colorado-Nebraska game. I had two offensive keys in yeah. my article. First one was run the damn ball. Mm. Um, pretty self-explanatory. They uh, TCU, I think, ran 262 yards. On yeah. on I think that's the exact number. Let me double check. I looked at this really early in the morning today. 262 yards, 7.1 yards a carry. Ridiculous. Now, the reason why they were able to do that is because Colorado's weak up front, and even Dion admitted that they were weak up front and they couldn't stop the run worth a, worth a darn. darn. Yeah. They have to run the ball, but they have to give the ball to Gabe Irvin Jr. I mean... He had eight yards a carry. He had seven carries. He ran for 56 yards. You got an O-line who you know that's better than their D-line, and their linebacking core uh, isn't great. Their secondary is really good, and I question whether or not you can consistently um, you can consistently trust Jeff Sims to throw this ball with his performance last week, and especially can you trust him to throw this ball against the secondary, which is athletic, which is dynamic. I'm not saying that Sims is sorry and he can't throw the ball. Dude's got a rocket arm. He's, his accuracy is not great, but it's still good. It's still fine. It's really his reads down the field, which concern me a little bit, and his deep ball accuracy specifically. But if you have the ability, like I always like to say, if you got him, smoke him. If you have the ability to run the ball just down their throats and you know you're going to get six, seven yards of carry – do it. And the other reason why in that point leads into my next key, which is possess the ball. Just have the ball. You want to stop a good offense? Don't let them touch the ball. It's the best way to do it. And especially with these new clock rules, with the clock not stopping after first down, and you, I mean, Minnesota did it to Nebraska. No reason why Nebraska can't do that to Colorado. Run the ball, keep the clock ticking, keep possession, and do not get behind. Because if they get behind in this game, especially in the second half, they're going to have to throw it. And that's exactly what Colorado wants you to do. At the end of that game, at the end of the fourth quarter, Colorado was way more effective on defense in every single position because they were able to pin their ears back because they knew that TCU was going to throw. Don't let that happen. Don't make yourself a throw-first team. Keep yourself in front. Keep yourself competitive and keep keep the ball. Yeah, I think Nebraska wants to play a possession-based game. They, frankly, that was kind of both Minnesota and Nebraska's game plan, so it didn't really hurt either of them. But, yeah, I agree that the, the Colorado matchup is certainly different in that they'll want to have a lot of possessions, and Nebraska really won't mind if they don't. So, yeah, keep keep the ball away from the guy that threw for 510 yards last week. Keep the ball away from the team that can throw Travis Hunter out there, moonlighting as a wide receiver, uh, and 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 make sure you keep Dylan Edwards kind of uh, under your hat as well. In terms of what Nebraska can do offensively, yeah, I I, I feel like they're going to have more success running the ball this Absolutely. week than they did against Minnesota, and and I hope that gives Satterfield a little bit more confidence in calling more run plays in the game overall, but especially in the fourth quarter. The breakdown of the fourth quarter run to pass against Minnesota was eight rushes and eight passes. And, and Nebraska was winning that game. Yeah. Everybody will point to the possession where they threw three and then punted. And I didn't have a problem and rightfully with so, that, by the way. I, you know, I don't, mind you, I don't mind you throwing it on second down if you threw it on first down because both of them are kind of tendency breakers. 
But to a certain point, you're you're harming your own team. You're playing against your strengths. You're not putting your players in in positions to be successful. Sure, Jeff Sims. I don't disagree with that. Jeff Sims is a good enough passer to win games, but the consistency is not there. No, and it never, frankly, it may not ever be there as a Nebraska it, it, player. And it never, it never was there in Georgia Tech. Either. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's you need to set your players up to be successful. You need to give him more of a more setups for play action sure. more more maybe rollouts to where you you shorten the field you, and you they, take they didn't really roll them out that that no many they didn't times. They really i don't know if they like him too much sometimes practice. right sometimes guys don't throw as well on the run maybe he's not shown that in practice and they don't want to do that in games i'm not sure but if you roll them out you take part of the field away and then you make it simpler for him so that okay you have this guy or this guy or run. Or uh, you get him on the run and, and then maybe somebody else breaks deep because they're worried about him running and you throw it over the top and, and you can complete a big play. Uh, that's another thing that you could take advantage of. Maybe fewer passes, but more shots down the field. I, they only really took two. One I big agree. one to Tommy Hill, who is also a DB moonlighting as a wide receiver for some reason. And then the other one was to Billy Kemp, who was targeted down the field, which is not his strength as a route runner, uh, and that was one of the interceptions. So put your players in positions to be successful. Don't have Jeff Sims throw it as much, and especially don't have him throw as much if it's a close game in the fourth quarter. Rely on your run game. Trust this offensive line that you've given your flowers to all offseason and let them go win you the game if it's close in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Get me more Gabe Irvin running the ball. I, I don't see why he shouldn't have 15 carries in this game. Run to set up the pass. I mean, clearly, you're going to have to throw the ball. Going to have to throw the ball. A little bit. But with how Colorado plays, I don't know if you're going to be able to throw the deep balls consistently without risking giving up downs without risking stopping the clock without risking turning the ball over you do it smartly you have to do it on second and two you have to do it on second and one i think that satterfield's going to be in a lot of fourth down situations i think once nebraska gets past the the colorado 40 colorado 50 maybe once they get into colorado territory i think you're going to have to start acting like we have four or you have four plays you know and I I get really nervous. I get really nervous about just the weapons and and whether or not who are you going to throw to the lack thereof. Yeah, it just it it freaks me out just a little bit because you got Heinrich Harburg out there running routes and catching balls, and you got Tommy Hill. It's just like Heinrich Harburg caught more passes than the, Thomas Fedoni and Billy Fidoni. Kemp combined. Yeah, it's so you cannot just yeah. now. The good strategy to win a football game is not, hey, let's run the ball every single play. That's not how you win football games. You're going to have to throw it. It's just getting them in the right situation to throw it. The problem is, though, is that you just can't, like, this is my honest opinion, and and we're going to get to the picks here, but I'll just give you my pick now. Yeah. If Nebraska is going to win this game, they cannot turn the ball over. They cannot turn the ball over. They can't do it. And I do not trust that they can accomplish that. So I'm going to pick Colorado. I do not think that Colorado is going to score on every single possession. 
But the more, like like we talked about, the more you give them, the more opportunities they have, the more likely they are to score. And just in a general macro look at things, Colorado is more likely to score than Nebraska is. Who has a higher chance to score each possession? It's Colorado, which is why you have to have more possessions than them and not allow them to have as many possessions and make them have to get into two minutes. Like, make them do the two-minute drill at the end of the half. Don't make yourself do it. Make them do that. Make them get themselves into these situations where they got to throw the ball every time and they have to do things that they're uncomfortable with doing. In order to do that, you can't turn the ball over. And I don't think that Nebraska can do that. I think this game will be close. I do not think it'll be a a bludgeoning. I don't think it'll be 28-21. I, I think it'll be... 24-23, 24-21, so a real close field goal one-point game because I think that Nebraska I think Nebraska matches up well. I think Nebraska matches up better than TCU does. I really do think that. But I don't trust them to not turn the ball over. And once they do that, Colorado would take advantage, just like they did against TCU. What's your turnover margin? Uh, negative Nebraska two. Minus, minus two. Minus two. They were minus three against Minnesota, lost by three. I think minus two. Yeah, I, I think Nebraska will score more points than they did last week against Minnesota because I don't think Colorado has a good enough defense, as good a defense as Minnesota. I also think Colorado is going to score fewer points than they did against TCU because Nebraska's defense is better than TCU's. Absolutely. So they scored 45, Nebraska scored 10, meet somewhere in the middle. Last week my score was 27-20 Minnesota. I'm saying 27-20 Colorado this week, and and I agree. I think Nebraska does probably lose the turnover battle. I'm going to say minus one, and I think it's it's going to come down to if Matt Rule is 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 willing to risk a a fourth down on the 45 yard line, either 40 you know a fourth and two, if he's going to go for it or if he's going to punt it, if he's going to if he's going to go for a, a fourth down inside the the 30 or uh, kick the field goal. Those are the types of decisions that are going to sway this game. Whoever makes those Absolutely. decisions and whoever executes and who pays them off. Let me just, yeah. you just said it. Those decisions. And I, and I, this is one of my biggest football pet peeves and beliefs. Those decisions aren't necessarily about the decision. They're about the execution yeah. after the decision. Mm-hmm. If you go for a field goal and you missed the field goal, it was a bad decision. Well, they didn't execute the field goal, because if you made it, it would have been a good decision. You decided to punt to pin them within the five. Well, if you hit it out the back of the end zone, now they're on their own 25. It doesn't matter. If you hit it and they're on the two-yard line, but your defense can't go out there and stop them from scoring, you're going to say, well, it's a bad decision. Well, I don't know about that. It's all about, you're absolutely right about making those decisions, but more importantly, executing after those decisions. We're going to wrap this up. I got a prediction for you, though. Okay. Nebraska will have a fake punt or a fake field goal. Okay. I, I like truly it. believe that. I think they they know they're in hostile territory. They know they need to hold the ball. They know that Colorado was weak on special teams. I know that they were running a lot of different type of special team stuff in the open practice. I know that Ed Foley is a special teams coach. He is a special teams guru. And that's why they look so good on special teams because they take it incredibly seriously. I'm predicting fake punt, fake field goal, something of that nature. Ooh, fake punt or fake field goal in the biggest game ever. That's...
<laughs> Biggest game since what? What did we establish? 2017. 2017. Yeah, That's disagree. the marker. I'll put it at number three on the hype you're, meter. You're wrong. For two games that you weren't here for. <laughs> you know, I watched them. I watched them. I was in Chicago. I watched them. Yeah. All right. All right, that's, McMa- that's Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholz. Thanks to Kenny Larrabee for getting us the, uh, the video. Uh, sending it out to you via the KLIN Husker Hour Facebook page, at KLIN Huskers. Uh, we will be back with a live show next Saturday ahead of the Northern Illinois game. Uh, we will see you then. Until then, go Big Red.